Well, good evening, New Hope Church. Uh, ushers may get ready to get, receive the tithes and offerings, but as they get ready, I would just like to give thanks to our Lord for this past season that we came through this summer. You know, we had four big hurricanes come and threaten the islands, and we did good. And then on top of, as we went through that, we had three big camps in our Sunday school and children's and youth ministries. We had the sports camp for the Mighty Marvels. We had Camp Defined for the junior high. We had um, Camp Legacy for the high schoolers. And through these camps, we had over 300 children or young adults come and say first time yes to Jesus being in their lives. And what's really great about that, statistically speaking, is that 64% of people who receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior do so before the age of 18. And we get to encourage this and move it on. Then as all this was happening, we had the eruption happening out in Lower Puna, where hundreds of people got displaced. In this church, with your generosity, your servanthood and, and, and helps, we got to feed hundreds of people every week. And this is where the blessings of giving your tithes and, and just working through a body like us, this New Hope Church, gets to reach out into our community and, and love people and share Christ. And it touched me in the book of Leviticus, not Leviticus, I'm sorry, Lamentations, uh, 3, 21 through 24. It reads, Yet I still dare to hope when I remember this, the faithful love of the Lord, never ends his mercies never cease great is his faithfulness his mercies begin afresh each morning so i say to myself the lord is my inheritance therefore i will hope in him and if this is your first time to new hope service i would ask that you just receive this as a free gift to us or to you from us uh, but if you are calling New Hope Church your home, church, then join me in giving our tithes and offerings in supporting the works that we do. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for this opportunity. I chase hard after you to bless those around me, but Lord, I wish to give you the honor and the praise that is due to you, not me. And may you just take this offering and use it to further your kingdom in all that we do. In your name we pray. Amen. Can we say thank you to Pastor Tom and praying over our tithes and offerings tonight. What a joy it is to be here. Heidi and I were gone for about a week, so we weren't here last week when you concluded the Transformed by Jesus series. I'm glad you're here tonight, even though there, there is rain. I was telling my friends earlier that if we didn't have the news or like an app or something to tell us that there is a storm, you know, here, we wouldn't know here on the Big Island because it always rains so we're, we, we kind of used to it, but at the same time, we do have friends on Oahu and Maui that are experiencing some rain, so we want to continue to pray for them uh, that they would be safe too. Uh, the, the East Coast is uh, heading or they're getting prepared for their season and the hurricane that's coming their way. So we are in that season, and we want to, um, again, pray and ask God for his protection and his, uh, his wisdom in this time, especially for those who need to evacuate uh, hopefully, we, we've been learning along the way that when these storms hit, we got to be prepared for them. And even though 
the storms come, God is still on the throne. He still knows what he's doing, and he is still in control. So we as the believers, we can be the ones that can bring hope to the world because for many people, they don't know of God. They don't know of this hope. And so their hope is, is all in what's, what is happening in the world, and their hope is their circumstances. And if things go well, then things are well. And if things don't go as well, then it's like life falls apart for them. So we want to be lights into the, into the world so that people can find a hope that is far beyond circumstances. In fact, tonight we're going to start a new series called Equipping the Saints. Did you know that you're a saint? Not in the way of good behavior, because that's guaranteed, no, we're not saints. But in the sense of God has called us to be kingdom people who operate in such a way that people see our good works and then glorify him in heaven. We're going to take a look at a scripture found in the book of Ephesians, which is where we get our equip and disciple service name from that we call tonight. We call this equip service. Uh, it comes out of the book of Ephesians because God has given us some gifts and some uh, skills and, and, and his hand upon us in a way that benefits the entire church so that the entire world can learn about how good he is. So if you want to, you can turn to Ephesians chapter 4 in your Bibles. And we're going to talk about this thing called the church. And if you want to write down a title or if you're opening the church app, we're going to talk about strengthening the church tonight. If anything, in the world today, it will not be politics, it will not be laws, it will not be the seasons that we go through or economics that will make the world a better place. It'll be the strengthening of the church that makes this world a better place. See, God created the church to operate outside of the world, yet in the world. In other words, the world was not supposed to influence the church at all. It's supposed to be the opposite way. We're supposed to influence the world. That's why the Bible says don't, be, don't, be, uh, tr don't, don't, don't find yourself blending in with the world. Don't, don't conform yourself to the ways of the world. Transform by the way you think. Transform your mind. Transform your life so that you can know God's will for you. And when we transform our lives through Jesus Christ, and when he does that, when he transforms our lives, now we can live in a world that doesn't influence us, but we influence it. And so when we talk about strengthening the church, it really is about you and I as the church, the church body. Because everything that Jesus did was done with purpose. He had, he had more in mind than the actual assignment that was given. He was always discipling people. Everything that Jesus did, everything that he said, was to equip people for ministry. It was so that they could be ministers. And everything Jesus did was discipleship. Everything he did was discipleship. And the disciples, they didn't catch that early on. They, they were learning about the personality of Jesus, his ways, the, the way he functioned, and the, the things that he said. They were trying to catch what he means or what he's trying to say. And so along the way, being in the ministry with Jesus for three years, they're learning that everything that Jesus did had to do with discipling them that they were to learn about him and everything that he did and everything he was so that they could carry out the ministries that Jesus prepared them for. So we're going to learn that in this series and how Jesus equips the saints for the works of the ministry. And God has given each and every one of us a, a, a gift, a personality. He's given us different gift mix. Uh, he also has given us a different background. So we all grew up differently. Even though you may have grown up in the same house, you probably have a different personality than your brothers or sisters. God gave you a different personality. 
He created you in a specific way so that you could do specific things. And so we're going to learn how each person contributes to the advancing of the kingdom of God, of the kingdom of God and why it's important for us to understand our gift mix and how God created us and then how to use our life for him. You know, sometimes we cut short the kingdom of God and what he wants to do in us by our flaws. We say to God, but, but this is what I've done. This is my past, and this is, what I've, this is what I'm doing. And so we forfeit ourselves, and we say, God, I'm not, I can't be included in being used by you because of the things that I'm doing and the things that I've done. So we, we actually disqualify ourselves. And God says, no, I can use you too. No, you cannot use me because I'm, I'm bad. Uh, I did not do good. Uh, I have a track record. Uh, right now, I'm not doing good things. And God says, but I died for you while you were still a sinner. In other words, what God is saying is, even though you may feel unworthy, it is not about you. It's not about us. The church is not about us. The church is all about Jesus. It's about who he is. Now, it would seem, it would seem wise or even better that God would make us perfect first and then put us together as the church, as a perfect unit, and then say, okay, now that you're perfect, go into the world and show people how good I am and my love, my generosity, my grace. Now you go show people. Because that, that sounds like it makes sense. It's almost like an all-star team. Then now you have this all-star team. Now go into the world and let everyone know how good I am. It would almost seem like that's a better way than the way God is doing right now. Because how God is doing it right now is he's saying, I'm giving you the, the most important message in the universe for all of eternity. The most important message, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus Christ. I'm going to give it to you imperfect people with all of your flaws, your past history, your behavior, even the way you think. I'm going to give you the most important message and I'm going to give it into the hands of flawed people. And he gives the message to you and I. Now, it, it doesn't seem like, like, it doesn't seem like this way is, is better than the other way of having us become perfect first. Well, when I think about it, the people that God used in the Bible, he used all kinds of people, imperfect people. He used people that were raw. He used people that were, were, were ridiculed by the public, people that were disgraceful. If you look at Jesus' his, uh, his lineage, his genealogy, you had a prostitute in there, you had a murderer in there. And if you think about how God used them to, to advance his kingdom, it's unbelievable because it was never about the person. See, if God waited for us to become perfect, then no one can carry out the message of Jesus Christ. In fact, in the book of Revelation, the Bible talks about the scrolls, and no one was worthy except Jesus. And so what he does is he equips us as the saints so that we can go into the world as imperfect people carrying a perfect gospel to give to other imperfect people. Part of the reason why God gives the most important message to you and I as imperfect people is because if we were perfect, imagine if we were perfect and we went to people who were, who were addicted to some type of drug or pornography or they're, they're so far from God and we come to them all perfect. 
Hey, how are you? Yes, I wanted to give you the perfect message of Jesus Christ. Oh, so how is your life? Oh, I'm perfect. I do nothing wrong. Everything in my life is perfect. Well, that person is not going to be able to relate to you or I. They will not be able to relate. Now, on the other side, it doesn't mean, and I had have, I have friends like this, they say things like, yeah, that's why I go drinking. I like relate. That way they can relate to me, you know, and God, I do stuff with them so that they can relate. So then I give them the gospel. And I'm thinking, has it been working for the past 15 years? Because you're still relating to them. Now, you can go on the exact opposite, but what God is saying is, no, no, I, I've turned your life around for a reason, and now I want to use that life to reach people who are far from me, one relationship at a time. Why? Because they can relate to you. They know your story. They, they could see the, the things that we've gone through, and they see our testimony of being turned around, transformed by the power of God, and now we get to live this life for the glory of God, and now they get to say, you know what, I, that's what I'm missing in my life. I'm, I've been trying everything except turning my life over to God. And they can relate to you and I because we have similarities. I can relate to teenage parents because Heidi and I were teenage parents. So when I see a teenager who, who has a baby and they're like, they, they just want to throw in the towel and they're saying, we're done. I don't know what else to do. We can give them hope. Why? Because we've been through that. That's why for many of you, you have a testimony. You've been through drug addiction, alcoholism. You've been through pornography. You've been through, uh, uh, you were a, a thief. You used to lie a lot. You, you did many things that were not, not consistent with the word of God, but then God turned your life around and then now God uses your life for other people. Don't underestimate how God can use you. Because it doesn't, it doesn't phase God that we all have a past. God never wastes our pain. He can use our past. He can use our pain. He can even use your story to reach people that have yet to come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Part of this series is leading up to the next season that we're going to be in because in the next season, and I'll explain a little bit more, we're going to be doing some things that will be an outreach to our community. We're also going to be heading into the Christmas season. So we have our, like our Christmas program and our Christmas services where many people come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. So God wants to strengthen us so that we can go into the world and help people find him, to find hope. We were just talking a little earlier in the back while we were getting ready for tonight, and, and, and someone said, imagine what it's like not to know God. With all that is happening in our community, when someone doesn't know God, what hope do they have? For many of us, we get discouraged and we know God. But it's because of God's love for us and his joy and times like this that we can gather together and worship him and then get into the word that he lifts us up and then once again showers us with his grace, his love, and his joy so that we can be strengthened to now go into the world and be lights in the most darkest places. So tonight, I want to encourage all of us that we want to be the church that's strengthened, that he would build our faith so that he could equip us to do the works of the ministry. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 16 tells us this. It says, so Christ himself gave the apostles the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers, and here's why, to equip 
his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in, in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head. That is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. In other words, we, we all do something in the kingdom of God. Every single one of us. We have some type of work to do in the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God, there is no unemployment. We all have work to do. In this scripture, Paul was saying that Christ calls every person to these ministries and gives them to the church. Like he, he gives us these gifts for one another so that together we can make an impact in this world. So when Paul says that you're an apostle, an apostle is like an ambassador uh, or a missionary. Or in the New Testament, the term apostle is applied to one who carries the message of the gospel, or the noun apostle is originally an adjective derived from the verb to send. That's what an apostle is. So someone said it like this, everyone who is sent by someone is apostle of the one who sent him. In other words, Christ is the one that sends us, so we're an apostle of Christ. Uh, uh, speak to the Star Wars fans. It's like a Padawan. If you like Star Wars, you understand what I mean. This, that's what, that's what a, an apostle is. You're like a learner. You're learning from the one above you. And then you grow in that role. Then he said, I gave them prophets. The prophet is the ministry where God has given to someone that he speaks on behalf of God. Or she speaks on behalf of God. And they proclaim what God is saying to make known his word and God himself to the people. That's what a prophet is. An evangelist is one who proclaims the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus Christ. The fact that Jesus died for our sins, rose from the grave to give us eternal life. So the evangelist is one of Christ's gifts to the church. An evangelist is someone who is, is gifted in such a way where he draws people closer to Christ and he benefits the church. Then he says, I gave some to be pastors and teachers. And these two words are kind of interchangeable, but the word pastor literally means shepherd. And when they were using the word shepherd, in fact, in the Old Testament, they would use the word shepherd. Even other nations would use the word shepherd. And other nations would use the word shepherd in the sense of one who cares for their flock or their people or one who protects the people. And that's what a shepherd does. A shepherd protects the flock. In fact, Jesus called himself the good shepherd. Why? Because he is so good that he protects us, he watches over us, as well as keeps us in line and keeps us where we need to be. He, dis he disciplines us. So that word pastor is kind of closely related to the, even the word teacher. And Paul says these, these are special people, pastors and teacher, and they're given to the church by God to care for God's people as a shepherd does his sheep. Where leading and teaching in the ways of God is very important, and that's what a pastor or teacher does the teacher or pastors and teachers, together, they form a group which, when, when completed, 
It serves the work of the apostles or the prophets or the evangelists. In other words, all of these different folds of ministries help one another so that as the body of Christ in whom God called us to be, we can make an impact in the world, in our families, with our brothers and sisters, those who are going through struggles. We can be that for them. We can be a strength for them as well as hope to lead them to the one who is the hope of all hopes, Jesus Christ. And he calls you and I to do that. Now, in order for us to do that, it's going to take some thought. It's going to take some prayer. But at the same time, it's going to take a lot of faith because for many of us, we're thinking in our minds, how is God going to use me? Like, I can't, I can't do what you do. I can't do what they do, which is the point. We're not supposed to do everything one person is supposed to do. We're supposed to do many things that each individual is supposed to do. Why? Because God created you that way. He created you in such a way with that, with that personality and gift mix so that you could, you could participate and be a part of the body of Christ so that collectively together we can reach more people for Him. So every single one of us makes up the church and every single one of us are valuable to the kingdom of God. Just think about it. Everything that God has called us to be in and, and how he made us up, our, our, our past and, and the present time that we have, he's always doing something in our lives to show himself to us. And he's equipping us. In fact, we're going to look at three truths about the strengthening of the church and how we can be a part of it. Here's the first thing. Every person matters in the church. That's the thing we got to remember. Every single person matters in the church. Not one person greater than the other. We all matter in the church. Every single one of us. Yeah, but I, I, I don't know God as good, as good as you do. It doesn't matter how good you know God because God already knows you and that's good enough. You start with God. Don't start with how much you know. Start with how much He knows. Start with Him because you're that valuable to God. Every single person matters in the church. And the reason is because church is not a building. Church are the people. One of our core values, core value number two, says that God values all people, therefore we value all people. And God values all people, and he proved that by sending his son to die on the cross. That's how God demonstrated his love for us. So because God values all people, we value all people. So you matter. You matter in the kingdom of God. You matter because you're the church. It's not the building. It is you. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18 Jesus was speaking to Peter. In fact, he was speaking to his disciples, and he said to his disciples, hey, who do people say I am? And some of them were saying, well, some say you're a prophet, some say you're John the Baptist, or you're Elijah. Some are saying this. And, and Jesus says, well, well, who do you, who do you say I am? And Peter said, well, you're, you're the Messiah. You're the anointed one. You're the, you're the one who came to save us. And Jesus said, you know, Peter, flesh and blood did not reveal that to you, but my Father in heaven. It's like Peter came to a place where he is now receiving revelation from God, and now Peter could see the bigger picture. And then Jesus gives Peter the, the, the famous words. He says, and I tell you that you are Peter, because he was called Simon before that. You are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. This is the first time that Jesus mentions the word church. In the Bible. He says it to Peter. He doesn't tell Peter it's your church. He tells Peter, this is my church. 
So ladies and gentlemen, we belong to Jesus. Although we have a name called New Hope for paper purposes, we belong to Jesus. You belong to Jesus. And I know we say in the context of, oh, what church do you go to? New Hope Church. I understand that. But really, you belong to Christ, the Son of God. You belong to Him. Like He owns us. What greater owner than the Son of God? The one who cares for us. The one who looks out for us. See, we matter to God. Every single person matters to God. The church. Just think of the church and who we are. In fact, a study says this, that a church is a gathering of citizens called out from their homes into some public place or an assembly like how we're gathering tonight. On a more personal level, the whole body of Christians scattered throughout the earth, which makes up the, the large church, the, the corporate church, the whole body of Christ. And although we belong to this body of Christ, we belong to the entire world body of Christ so that globally we can shine for Jesus Christ because every single person matters. As Pastor Tom was speaking earlier about the Puna Relief efforts, it was done through you, the church, that you sacrificed your time, your resources, so that we could feed people. And many other organizations did the same thing. But you were able to, and still, I believe this Thursday, I'm not sure if this Thursday might be the last, but I know they've been trying to transition and, and uh, get people into homes and things like that. But you as the church have been able to do that. You've been able to bring hope to people. And it was done through you, the church. Not new hope. It was done through the people who believe in Jesus Christ. And when people see what you do, they see the good works and then they, they glorify God in heaven. So every single person matters to God. Here's the second truth. Every person is needed in the church. Every single person. Every single person. Statistics show that usually between 20 and 30% of the attenders of a church or members of a church contribute to the ongoing of the church. 20 to 30%. Imagine if 100% did. 100%. In big ways and small ways. 100%. You change cities day by day. But right now, many are still in that place of, Lord, who am I in this, in this church? What part do I play? Because the world is in desperate need of help in many areas, but these four main areas. Spiritually, physically, emotionally, mentally. These are areas every single person struggles with. And God has the answers for that. He will help us spiritually, physically, emotionally, and mentally, the way we think. But he's going to use the church to do that. The way God designed you is so important for you and I to understand. Because we may look at other people and say, oh boy, that, that person is kind of, they're, they're kind of raw. I don't know if they can be used by God. Do you know who they're going to reach? They're going to reach people just like them. I don't know about that person. They're kind of like a control freak. Guess what kind of people they're going to reach. They're going to reach the same kind of people. See, control freaks, if you're one of them, you understand each other. And you don't understand why everybody else is not like you. You're like, wow. No, everybody else is wrong. And everyone else is like, no, you need, to, you need to relax a little bit. They're saying, no, you need to move a little bit. So you have these two and opposite ends, but God is saying, in the way I designed you, I want to utilize you at your max capacity so that you can reach people that are just like you. 
And then when he does that, he draws them closer to himself. You're so needed in the church. Another one of our core values, number three and five, number three says everyone has a place to belong and serve. Every single person has a place to belong and serve. Now, you may not be like me. I'm not gifted on drums. So guess where I don't serve? Right, on drums. I would ruin worship time for all of us if I went on drums. Now, I could say, but I want to play drums. I, I have a dream of playing drums. God told me to play drums. And then I played drums and God was like, no, I didn't. I can, I, I can want to, but am I gifted there? See, everyone has a place to belong and serve, and God will fit us where he's gifted us. Because when you're in your gifting and your passion, ministry is easy. It's very easy. It becomes simple because that's how he made you. I, I am amazed at mechanics. Like when I talk to mechanics, they just throw out words that I have no clue what they're saying. And I can't even say them because they, they're just so good. And they'll throw out words, oh, this is broken, needs to fix this, got to change this, change this, change this. And I'm thinking, man, that's, that sounds complicated. And they say, no, no, that's, it's, it's pretty easy. Your bill is complicated, but, it, but to fix it, it's pretty simple. I'll, I'll, I'll take care of it. They know what they're doing. They're passionate about it. You talk to a musician, an artist, someone who sings. To them, it's their passion. God designed us in a certain way to function for him so that we can reach people for him. Our core value number five says love and acts of service are the evidence of fruitful spiritual maturity. See, God wants to see us in action. He doesn't just give us his word so that we can be hearers. He said be hearers and doers of the word. He wants us to do something with it. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 tells us just as the body Though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. Like we have each individual member here, but together we make up the body of Christ. Yet each one of us are important to God because we play a part in the body of Christ. You, you have a ministry. God has called each and every one of us a minister. You have a ministry somewhere. You got to find out what that is. In fact, our SALT conference is coming up. That's a part of our SALT conference, is finding out where do I belong in, in serving you, Lord? Who, who am I? How am I gifted? How am I made up? For some of you who have been serving, SALT conference is a time where you, you sharpen, it's like you sharpen your sword, you sharpen your skills, you get refreshed, renewed, strengthened, so that you can go back out into the world because we war not against flesh and blood but against the spiritual principalities of the unseen world. It's like we get renewed, refreshed, rejuvenated, trained, and then we go out into battle again. That's what our SALT conference is all about. Our SALT conference exists to strengthen the church. That's you and I. So that's coming up in October, and you, you've been hearing about it. But God wants to use your life story for his redemptive plan in someone else's life for his story. You have a story, and God wants to use it. So let him use it, because everyone matters. Every person is needed. And then the, the last thing, finally, every person is equipped in the church. God has equipped you. He's, he's given you the necessary giftings as well as the necessary coaching. He's always coaching us. He's always teaching us. He's constantly teaching us. And because God is teaching us, he equips us. 
We've heard the saying before that God, God doesn't call the equip, he equips the called. Like we don't, we don't come to God saying, okay, I, I have everything together. Tell me what to do. He says, no, I got to equip you. I'm going to equip you. I'm going to build you up. That's why here on Wednesday nights, we call it equip and disciple. We want to equip the church, disciple, so that we can go out into the world and reach people for Jesus. We want to equip people so that in, in our giftings, we can be effective in our workplaces, in our homes, in our schools, in the environment that God has called us to be in. He equips us so that we can be effective. On Wednesday nights, we have different uh, teachers or a teaching team. In fact, we're raising up more teachers here on Wednesday nights so that they can utilize their gifts. So you're going to see people rotate here on Wednesday nights so that as we hear the word of God together, we can learn and grow together. I am grateful that we have more voices than mine that can teach us the word of God. Can you say amen to that? Aren't you glad that God raises up people? He'll do that so that we can hear the word of God together. And as you see more and more people being utilized in different ways, find where you fit. Say, Lord, what part do I get to play? Because every single person matters. Everyone is needed. And God equips us. So you don't have to be worried about, but I'm not good enough. None of us are. He's good enough. His grace is sufficient. So we'll be okay because we're following him. And God wants to equip you also. It's not just a teaching team. It's all of us together. The teaching team that will be teaching from the word of God, that's their gifting. You may have a different gifting, and God's going to use you in that kind of way too. One of our core values, number six, says everyone is gifted and equipped to serve. So all that you go through, think about it, all that you and I go through is discipleship. Any of you ever played sports? Just raise your hand. Any type of sport you played sports. Wasn't the first week of practice horrendous? I think they called it strength and conditioning. They should call it something else like dying. Because it was, I mean, the first couple of days you're dying. You can't even move. And I don't know if you did this, but like we did this with our friends. We would kick the back of their legs because your thighs are sore. You know, and then we would make trouble to each other. We'd push them down and they couldn't get up, you know, things like that. It's because the first week your body is not in shape to do what it needs to do. But because of strength and conditioning, because of practice time, it's not so that you practice better. What was strength and conditioning for? It was so that you could be prepared for game time because that's when it mattered. And what God does is he equips us, he strengthens us so that we, when it's game time, we score, we win, and people come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. So God is going to, he's going to disciple us in everything that we do. He's going to build us up. James 1 verses 2 through 7 tells us to consider it pure joy. Now, the next sentence should sound like consider it pure joy when you receive a hefty paycheck because that would make sense. Or consider it pure joy when you win the lottery. Or consider it pure joy when you have a brand new car given to you. Because that would make sense. But the Bible says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. By the way, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault. And it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. 
that person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Yeah, it starts off sounding good. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. Consider it pure joy, my friends. And then it says, because you're going to have a hard time. But the hard time is going to produce something. It's going to bring you to maturity. And sometimes we think the difficulties we go through is because we did something bad. It, it could be some consequences, but it could very well be that God is saying, no, 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 you need to go through this because I have this waiting for you. And you need to go through this in order to handle this. So persevere, my brothers and sisters, because this is the end result, being mature and complete, not lacking anything. That's where God wants to bring us to. God trains us, and he can give us all the training, but if we're not disciplined in it and through it, then we'll end up empty in the end. We're going to complain. We're going to fight against God. We're going to get angry at people. We're going to turn away from the one who is able to equip us for a purpose. And here's the purpose, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. He says, to discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. See, we get disciplined, not just so that we can go through a discipline, but for godliness. Like there's an end result. God wants us to live a godly life here on this earth. Therefore, it's going to require some discipline. But he said, you're going to have to discipline yourself. In other words, God gives us the arena. He gives us the training. But if we don't want it, we don't discipline ourselves, even the best coach in the world does nothing for you and I. We, we, we got to receive it. And he says, I, I want to coach you. I, I want to disciple you. But you got to be able to take it, to, to discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. In November, in fact, November 6th, 7th, and 8th, uh, Nick Vujacic, who is, has a ministry, Life Without Limbs, and some of you may have seen him before, he is going to be on Oahu, and they're going to do a live stream here. And we're going to give you more details on how we're going to do this. Uh, we're going to live stream it from here, uh, to here, from Oahu, and we're going to invite our family and friends to be here, which is the first night, Tuesday night. Then the next night, whoever attends Tuesday night, is going to be encouraged to invite someone else to Wednesday night. So it's going to grow from Tuesday to Wednesday. And then Wednesday night, whoever comes, even though they came Tuesday and Wednesday, is going to be encouraged to invite more people to Thursday night. And then Thursday night, same thing, we're going to live stream it here, and we're going to be able to hear his message because he has a powerful story in how God has used his life. And then Thursday... After Thursday night, those who came Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday are going to go out, and then we're going to reach out to people for Friday night where Nick Vujicic is going to fly up from Oahu to here, and he's going to be here live on our stage. And then we're going to broadcast it out to other, other churches. Um, or if they want to drive here, they can. But then he's going to speak here live on Friday night. And then Friday night, those who came Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday night will do the very same thing. We're all going to go out. Reach out to family and friends and bring people for Saturday night. And then Saturday night, he's going to be here live speaking. And then those who came Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday night are going to go out into our community and invite people to Sunday night, which will be the final night. By then, we'll be dead. But we'll be dead for Jesus. And he'll bring us back to life because many people will come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. So we're going to systematically and strategically do this together as the church. Just imagine, just imagine the person that you have always said, 
would never come to Jesus. That person, the hardest person that you could think of, the person that you would say, no way. Like if this person came to know Jesus, everybody would come to know Jesus. That's the person you go for. You have six opportunities to beg them to be here. Hey, you got to come see this guy, Nick Buchik. No, I don't like to watch that kind of church stuff. Okay, look, look at him on YouTube. Then they can view it. Invite him the next time. Hey, you got to come. No, 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 no. I don't like, I don't like freaky the kind of people you're around. I don't like being around those people. That's okay, that's okay, okay. Next night, hey, you got to come. No, not going to come. Hey, you got to come next night. Finally, Saturday night. Okay, I'm going to go if you leave me alone. Then they'll show up. And that's biblical. Jesus called him a persistent person. When you're persistent enough, they show up. But you know who is more persistent than you? The devil. He's a lot more persistent than you and I. See, your competition and my competition with a person coming to an event like this or even coming to know Jesus is every alternative use of time that an individual has. That's our competition. Because they always have a reason not to be here. But if you bug them, not irritate them, love them, love bug them because you have a relationship with them, they're going to see why you love them. And they're going to understand when they're saved. Aren't you thankful that people bugged you? And aren't you thankful that people dragged you to church? Because now we have eternal life. And God says, now it's your turn because people matter to me. And then on October 19th and 20th, we have our SALT conference. This is where God equips us. This is where he disciples us. I'm doing a, a personal thing. It's on October 26th through the 28th. We call it a lifestyle leadership practicum. In a lifestyle leadership practicum, it's also to equip the saints for the work of ministry. And we just take three days, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and we do a lifestyle leadership practicum, which means we do basic things together. We do a shadowing program where on Sunday morning, because we have services, we show kind of like behind the scenes of what we do on Sunday mornings. Because for some people, they just think when they come to church, everything is done, and we arrive, and we listen to the gospel, and then we go home. But you're going to learn that everything we do has a purpose to it. That's on Sunday morning. You're going to be able to see behind the scenes, and then you get to learn why we do what we do and how you get to be a part of the bigger picture. Friday and Saturday is when we learn the basic skills of our spirituality, our emotions, the, the way we think, or our, the, our mentality, and then, of course, how we should take care of ourselves physically. So we, we go through that during the Friday and Saturday. We also give you a brief history of this church and what we, uh, where we have come from and why God has called us to be where we are. So everything that we do here at the church is more exposed on Friday, Saturday, and that Sunday. It's a lifestyle leadership practicum, which gives you life lessons, life skills, leadership skills, and as well as personal uh, disciplines so that whoever God is making you to be, you have some tools or you're equipped to become that person. And if you want more information, we'll be uh, sharing more as the uh, date comes closer. But if you're thinking about, boy, I want to... 
I, I want to do something more for God, but I just don't know what it is, then that Lifestyle Leadership Practicum Weekend is a great place to start because it'll give you a bigger picture of how you're made up and who God is making you to be so that wherever you are in the world, even though not serving in the church like this, God can use your life, uh, even for your own family, that he'll, he'll build you up for that time too, make you a better mother, better father, a better brother or sister, or even in the workplace. So it's just a good time for us to come together because God wants to continue to equip the church. He'll provide opportunities, but we got to discipline ourselves and be there. Amen? I'm going to ask you to close your Bibles and put away your notes and ask Grayson to come to the keyboard. And we're going to close a little bit and, and then pray together and then have our closing song. You know, even though God provides the opportunities, we got to step out in faith. And that's, that's, my, that's my encouragement for all of us tonight, that when God provides opportunities, whether it be the SALT conference or the Nick Vujicic event or the different uh, service times that we have, uh, leadership lifestyle practicum, whatever it may be, like step out in faith in those opportunities and then watch what God does because everything he does is, dis is, is discipleship. Right now and, and for a season, God's been discipling me in the area of kindness and patience and, and, and the way I speak to people or problem solving. And he puts me in situations where that's the only way I'm going to be able to know if I'm kind, if I'm compassionate, if I'm patient. I think he puts us in all those situations. It's almost like we go through those tests, right? Count it all joy when you endure or go through these trials. So I'm trying to count it all joy when I go through the TSA check-in line at the airport when it's super busy. So some time ago when we were traveling, I got my two bins. You know, they, you have the bins where you put your things in it. And then you have to take off your shoes and belt and things like that. So I put my two bins down, and I'm about to untie my shoes and, and then uh, take out my iPad from my bag. And I get up, and someone grabs my bin and takes it. And it was a, another guy, and I looked at him, and I looked at my bin, and I saw the other bins. So he looked at me, and he goes, oh, I'm, I'm so sorry. Is that yours? I said, no, nah, no problem, no problem. I'll get another one. So I was like, hey, Lord, I pass. Not bad. So I grabbed another one, put it back. When I turned around, his wife grabbed my other one. So I looked at her, I looked at him, he looked back at me, he looked at her, and I looked at him, I was like, That's, it's okay, it's okay, I, I, there, there are more bins. So I grabbed the other bin and put it down and then got through with it. Everything was fine, and I felt good. I felt like, Lord, you put me in a situation where I could have went nuts, and I, I could have lost it and said, bro, grab your own bin. I could have done something like that. And so I felt good about myself. And then when I was at home with Heidi... I said some things that weren't kind to her. I was here at church, and I said some things that weren't kind to my fellow co-workers. And I thought, Lord, why is it so easy to be kind to the people who are farthest from me than the ones that are closest to me? Why is it easier for me to pass those tests than the ones that are, like, near to my heart? And the Lord simply said, because it's easier, they don't know you and will probably never see you again. The people that are close to you, your family members, the church body, they're always around you, so they know you. 
you can't play tricks on them. They know when you're for real and when you're not. So I said, Lord, then how do I, <laughs> how do I get better with, with the people that are closest to me? And it took me through these three things that we just discussed tonight. You got to remember that they matter. You got to remember that they're needed. And you got to remember that I'm going to equip you. You can't do this on your own. So I want to encourage you tonight. If you're going to start anywhere with being equipped as the church and being strengthened, start with your very own family, the people that are close to you. Because they know you the real you, and will give you grace and help you through even the most difficult times together. You pray with me as we close. Heavenly Father, we're grateful that we get to learn from you. We're grateful that we can step out in faith and, and pass the tests that come our way. But you equip us, you strengthen us. You're the one who gives us the wisdom so that we can be the church that you called us to be. Every single person matters, Lord. Every person is needed, and you're going to equip us to be the saints so that in the end, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body, the mature body of Christ, who is the head of the church. May we all do our part, especially in the season to come. In Jesus' name we pray, and we all sit together. Amen. Amen. Isn't God so good? Yes, he is. Lord, you're so good to us. You know, when we leave here tonight, we're going to be challenged, but God has equipped us. And even though we may fall short of the glory of God, as the Bible says, never give up. You keep moving forward. You keep watching what God does and follow him. Amen.